You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Beautifully read scripture reading. Um, Thank you, Landon and Mish on percussion, Shay on bass, Chad Rainey on sound. Thank you all. Thank you for our, thank you to our hospitality team. First impressions, greeting people on the way in. What a joy it is to be in ministry together. Uh, would you pray with me? Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and kindle in us the fire of your love, and we will be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, and let some word that is heard be yours. Amen. Well, good morning. Yeah, good morning. My name is Drew Wilson, and I serve as the pastor of Boulevard United Methodist Church, which means that I serve as a pastor in this combined community here as two congregations come together in ministry, Boulevard and Center Church. You've heard this a bunch, but it's important that we keep repeating it. Um, And it gives me joy to have the privilege of speaking with you all today. It is a privilege. It is a privilege. These last couple weeks of worship have been such a joy Complicated for sure and different for all of us and also joyous, joyous. I love the gathering of God's people. I love it. I love when we sing together. I love when we tell stories from Scripture together. I love sharing Holy Communion. I love to see familiar people and I love to see new people, new to me from Center Church and new to all of us. Dear guests, welcome This is a gathering of complexity and joy, and you have a place here. You all have a place here. And so now, if we can shift into our teaching and preaching time now, I'd like for us to talk about saying no. I want to talk about saying no. That is, when we say no and when God says no. First off, how about us? Okay, does anybody have a problem with saying no? Say no. Okay. <laughs> no, I see some people nodding. I see some hands. How hard is it for you to say no? Like, oh, when it's late and you know you should go to bed, but the next episode just auto-played on Netflix. I mean, how can you say no? Or how about another event on your calendar? Maybe you have been feeling busy. Has anybody felt busy or overwhelmed over the last, I don't know, a few years? Yes, and you know you need time to rest, but YOLO, FOMO, you only live once, fear of missing out, and you just can't say no, you can't say no. Or maybe you have the blessing and the curse of being a two on the Enneagram. You're a helper, you're a helper, and your superhero heart has bionic senses somewhere, somebody might just need your help. And and if you say no, 
Somebody might be disappointed in you. So you say, yes, you drag your worn and weary assets to a system. I am not a two, by the way. Or how about saying no to somebody's behavior? Hmm? At Thanksgiving, the bigoted joke at the table. At work, the sexist comment by the coworker. In society, the policy that perpetuates racial inequity. How hard is it? How hard is it for you to step up, to push back, to say no? It can be hard to say no, can't it? Well, and yet that's what we are talking about today. Our worship series this month is the greatest of these from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So we are talking about love. You may know that as the love chapter. It's read in weddings all the time, right? The love chapter, love and its different dimensions. Two weeks ago, Stephen Poor talked about how love is responsive. Love responds to the needs around us. Last week, Anna Murphy talked about how love is dynamic. Love is not going to look exactly the same in every situation, but, but love engages differently out of our formation in the Spirit of God. And today, we're talking about how love is exclusive. Whoa. How love is exclusive. How love says no to some things. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of hmm. <laughs> Can we all say hmm? Hmm. One more time. Hmm. Yeah, love says no. Our ideas about love may be a little too shaped by Hollywood endings in which love always says yes or I do. But from Dorothy Day and Dr. King to Cesar Chavez and Jesus Christ, love, the strength to love, the commitment to love, what Oscar Romero even called the violence of love that wills to beat weapons into sickles for work, Love also says no. If I say yes to love, then I must say no to hate. If I say yes to love, then I must say no to injustice. Love is exclusive. I cannot serve two masters. As Bob Dylan put it, Well, it may be the devil... And it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Right? All right. Yeah, all right. Mmm. Mmm. Love is exclusive. Love is exclusive. But what does that look like? Well, in the church, when we look for what exclusive commitment to love looks like, we look to Jesus. First and foremost, we look to Jesus, Jesus who was so committed to the love of God, so committed to the love of God that he ultimately even said no to himself and gave up his life. This is what love looks like. But love isn't going to look exactly the same in every situation, as Anna reminded us last week. And in our reading today, Jesus is in this different situation where a woman has been caught in adultery. And the scribes and the Pharisees, 
legal experts, experts in the religious law and Pharisees, kind of people who are super about the religious rules. The scribes and the Pharisees are both shaming her and they're trying to trap Jesus. They want to get him to say something that they can accuse him of later. And so they say, hey, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery, caught in the very act. Woo! Now, in religious law, they say, Moses says that we should stone such a woman caught in adultery. Stone her to death. Now, what do you say? What do you say? Now, sidebar. Sidebar. Not only are these men publicly shaming this woman and threatening violence, but they are also sexist in their scripture reading. Because in Leviticus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 22, we read that both a man and a woman caught in adultery should be stoned. Now, that's violent. Don't get me wrong. It's violent, but at least it's equal opportunity stoning. Right? And instead they go, this woman, mm. these men have apparently given the adulterous man a pass. But Jesus is still on the hook here. Because in this time of Roman-occupied Palestine, Hebrew law calls for capital punishment, for death to the adulterer. But Roman authorities do not permit the Jews to exercise capital punishment. Hmm. If Jesus advises against execution, then he's in conflict with the religious law, and that's trouble. And yet, if he recommends capital punishment, then he is in trouble with the Romans. So it's a setup. It's a no-win situation. And Jesus is committed to the love of God, so he cannot easily say, oh yeah, stone her. That's not very loving, is it? And Jesus is committed to the love of God, so he can't easily say, ah, well, you know, that's part of God's law, but I don't like it, so let's ignore that and just focus on the parts that I do like. What kind of commitment is that? Because if what Scripture we like is our metric for what scripture we observe. If we only observe the scripture we like, then we're probably not going to observe things like, oh, loving our enemies, right? Or praying for those who persecute us. We're not going to do that. Or turning the other cheek. Uh-oh, no thanks. Or being generous with what we have been given. No, it's mine. Or saying no, saying no to some behaviors and to some people and sometimes to ourselves because we're saying yes to the love of God. So what does Jesus do? What a fix. What does Jesus do? Faced with a trap between offending religious law and offending Roman authorities, Jesus says no. He says no. Now, he doesn't say it out loud. In fact, he doesn't speak. He doesn't speak. He disengages. He bends down and writes on the ground with his finger. It's a sign of, I'm not engaging you all. 
And nobody knows what he wrote on the ground. Maybe he wrote, sexist pigs. And maybe he drew a picture of some beach somewhere. And maybe he wrote, no. But they keep questioning him. And he straightens up and he says, let any of you who is without sin throw the first stone at her. And then he bends down. And he writes again. And one by one, they begin to walk away until no one is left but the woman and Jesus. Woman, he asks, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she replies, no one. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, don't sin again. And for 2,000 years, this story has captured imaginations of religious and non-religious people alike. It's a brilliant story. Jesus is so wise, like King Solomon, who used to settle conflict with out-of-the-box wisdom. There are great stories about that. And we love, we love how Jesus defends this woman in a way that seems way ahead of his time and yet also somehow honors the heart of the old religious law. How does he do this? He honors the future and he honors the ancient law because that old religious law came from God's mercy. And here Jesus is merciful. The law came from mercy. The law came to the Israelites when God heard them crying out for mercy. The Israelites whom God rescued from slavery in Egypt. The Israelites whom God led to freedom. The law came in mercy to the Israelites as a liberation to live holy lives by this law. It's a law of liberation. But if living holy lives should get bound up in legalism and condemnation and it gets lost from mercy and liberation, then we have lost it. We've lost it. And we have to say no. Jesus says no to the scribes and the Pharisees and their legalistic, unmerciful trap. He says no. And yet, Jesus also says no to somebody else, doesn't he? When the scribes and the Pharisees have all left one by one, Jesus says to the woman, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And this one may be a little harder for us to hear. Because it's cool when Jesus is confronting misogynistic religious patriarchy. Yeah, Jesus, that's cool. That's great. It's harder when Jesus is confronting a woman, confronting an individual, confronting you, confronting me, confronting our behavior, saying no. That's harder. And 
And yet, y'all, we need confrontation. We need to be confronted for our behavior. Yes, sometimes it is because we've become like scribes and Pharisees, part of the system that needs resisting. And we need Jesus to say to us, no. Patriarchy, racism, heteronormativity, cisnormativity. Sometimes we have become like scribes and Pharisees, legalistic, bent on being right and condemning others, being judge and jury and executioner all in one. And sometimes we are the one caught in behavior that we thought would stay hidden. We thought that was going to stay behind closed doors. And maybe the behavior is still hidden to others, but we still feel caught in it. And we are longing to be freed. We are longing to be liberated. And we need to be confronted. It's tender territory. It's very tender territory. I'm reminded of what Albus Dumbledore said to Neville Longbottom. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. And in the church, I might add, to stand up to each other and to stand up to ourselves. We are, terrifi- we are terrified of confrontation. We're terrified of condemnation. And yet, what does Jesus say to this blessed woman? Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you, but go, change your life. When Jesus says no, it is not a condemnation. When Jesus says no, it is not a condemnation. Can you say that with me? Is it up there? Oh, Luke, thank you. Want to say that with me? Ready? When Jesus says no, it is not a condemnation. There's an invitation to live a new way. Preach to me. Thank you. Yes. It's an invitation to live a new way. It's a way that says no to unjust systems and self-destructive patterns because it is a way that says yes to the exclusive love of God. So, friends, the invitation today is not simply to say how great an example Jesus is for us standing up to the man or the men or defending a defenseless woman. And it's not simply to say how Jesus makes us think about how we could shape up our personal lives, because you could find people from every preference and persuasion to get behind these good things. Good moral exemplar, Jesus, yes. Mm. But no, this story is less about us. And it's more about Jesus. This story has a deeper Christological core. As my preaching professor of sainted memory, Gail O'Day, wrote for the New Interpreter's Bible Commentary. Ready? By his very presence, Jesus challenges the law and the power of those who claim the authority to interpret the law. Jesus' identity calls the scribes and Pharisees' social position and theological authority into question. Jesus brings the promise of freedom to all scribes. Pharisees, the woman, the promise of freedom to all of them 
But that freedom demands a renunciation of old ways and former claims. So the invitation today is to come live the way of Jesus. To renounce our old ways and former claims and live the way of Jesus in the exclusive love of God. I think sometimes we get settled in the church. I think sometimes we get settled. We think that whatever we're already doing must already be the way of Jesus. So we are good where we are. We're good. Thank you very much. But I know both Boulevard and Center Church have been weighed down with anxiety and uncertainty and moving from place to place these last five years. And now we are a little weighed down with anxiety and uncertainty and adjustment and maybe some healthy suspicion and maybe some unhealthy suspicion as we come together in the body of Christ. But in our story today, when it came to the scribes and Pharisees and the woman, Jesus had more in store for them all. Jesus had more in store for them all. And just so, in our community today, Jesus has more in store for us. Not condemning, not condemning, but saying no where we need to hear it so that we can say yes to the exclusive love of God. Now, we're about to sing a song. We're about to sing a song that says, Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. And as we prepare to sing together, I do invite you to consider the holy places where God is saying no in your life. Where do you hear a holy no? Do you hear a no to unjust systems? Would you reach out to someone in church leadership and we can work together in our city? Would you do that? If you're, heal if you're hearing a no. Do you hear a no to some behavior in your life? Some practice? Some pattern of thought? Would you reach out to someone in church leadership and we can pray together about it? We could share some accountability about it? Because if you do hear God's no, do you also hear within it Christ's invitation to be free and to love? Do you hear Christ's invitation to resurrection? No one is without sin. No one is without sin, but Christ says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. For the exclusive love of God in Christ somehow includes all of us in the promise that God will make all things new. And so let it be with us.